Well, I don't think it was a mistake that uh, we started out four weeks ago in a thing called deep work. We started fasting. And today, actually, if you were doing the Daniel fast with us today is the day that you would break it. And so that was is probably a highlight uh, if you've been fasting for three weeks. I don't believe it's a mistake. I believe that God, the Spirit of God directs us and He knows what's coming. And so our church, I believe spiritually, has been prepared for this. I believe that we've been praying and fasting and digging into God's Word. And so I encourage you to share that with other people. I encourage you uh, to have peace and patience with other people like we talked about earlier. So I'm going right back to Jeremiah chapter 17. And we're going to read that scripture again. And then I'm going to read two more scriptures from Romans chapter 5 and James chapter 1. And we're going to wrap this, we're going to wrap this uh, deep work series up. Next week, we're going into a brand new series called Three Days of Grace. And we're going, to, we're going to go with that into Easter. And I'm trusting that God will move, uh, not only in our church, but our country. And I'm trusting that. So Jeremiah chapter 17 We'll start in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It is not anxious in the year of drought. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Now we're going to turn to Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also attained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's Paul writing to the Roman church. And then James, James writes this in chapter one of, of his letter. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, I'm sure I'm not alone. Um, I think most, uh, most all of us have been keeping a sharp eye about what's going on in, our, in, our, in the world, in the whole world and in our community. And so I want to pray a specific prayer before we get into the sermon today that our community and our country in the world would turn to God. And scripture teaches us that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and hear from heaven. It says he will hear from heaven and heal our land. And so I believe that's an apt prayer for today. That should be on the tip of our tongues. So can we do that? Just take a few moments. Can we repent of our own sins? Repentance just means turn. Can we confess our sins to God in this moment and ask him to heal us first? The Bible says that it all starts with the people of God. It all starts in the house and then goes out. And so I believe we can pray that prayer. 
pray that prayer this morning and it'd be effective. So let's pray that way. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you that your word says that if we're faithful to come to you and ask for forgiveness, you're faithful to do that. And so, Lord, we start with personally, we start with us as individuals. We pray that you forgive us, God. Forgive me, Lord, for when I've sinned against you. Lord, forgive me, God, when I've done you wrong. Thank you that I can have the confidence that you're doing that. And then, Lord, we ask you to forgive us as a community for not seeking you first. Forgive us as a nation for not putting you first. And we pray that out of this whole situation, God, there'd be great numbers of people turn to you. So we ask you to forgive us. And Lord, when you've forgiven us, we pray that you'd, you'd hear our prayer, that you'd, that you'd heal our land. Lord, that you'd heal the world right now and let them know that it's only by you. We thank you for this opportunity, God, for the gospel to go far and wide. Now, as we look into your word this morning, we pray that you cleanse us. We pray that you we pray that you renew our hearts and minds. God, we pray that because we were together even online today, Lord, that your spirit would renew us. God, that it would change the way we think and in turn change what we do. We thank you for this moment we have together. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. Everyone said, even in your house, amen and amen. All right. If you're like me, you've been checking up on how viruses work. You've been checking up on how the whole system works and how vaccinations work and how treatments work and and. And all those things, and I've been looking at different things. We've been talking about deep work. We've been talking about how Jeremiah told us that if we trust in the Lord, that it, he will plant us, we'll be like trees planted by water. And, and if a tree is planted by the water, when the heat comes, the trees have has the opportunity not to just drink the surface water, but to push the roots down so deep that heat doesn't affect it. So we talked about the expected, how, how the expected things in life happen. Like if you're married, you're probably going to have marriage problems sooner or later. If you have kids, you're probably going to have kid problems sooner or later. If you have a job, you're going to have job problems sooner or later. The expected things of life are going to come our way. But our leaves will stay green. Jeremiah said, if we trust in him through all the expected things in life, our leaves will stay green. Then the other last week we talked about the unexpected. I'm pretty sure nobody woke up January 1st and thought, oh, we'll all be quarantined. But it's happening over and over and over again throughout our country. And so when the unexpected comes, when the year of drought comes, when the really difficult things that that hit us sideways that we weren't anticipating come, it says that we won't cease to bear fruit. That, that we, don't, we won't have to be anxious about it because our roots will be deep. And so I started looking at how that applies today. And we're going to wrap this whole thing up. And I realized that a flu vaccine stimulates your body's immune system to make antibodies to attack the flu virus. So, so what happens is many of you this year got a flu vaccine, got a flu shot. You went into the doctor's office or the pharmacy and they gave you a flu shot. And that flu shot was designed 
to put a little bit of the flu in you, and we'll get to that in a second, but just a little teeny bit of it in you, and then your body recognizes it, and it builds what are called antibodies up to it. Your body has the opportunity to build up this defense mechanism. And what happens is it builds up the defense mechanism and then it has a memory. So antibodies are proteins that recognize and fight off germs such as viruses that have invaded your blood. If you're exposed to the flu virus after you have had the flu vaccine, your immune system will recognize the virus and immediately produce antibodies to fight it. So so they inject you with just a little teeny bit of it. Your body then says, oh, this is something that shouldn't be here. And it starts to build up these antibody proteins and and it starts to build up a memory system of what that is. Your body says, oh, wait a second, that's not supposed to be here. We're going to remember it. And so when it comes, if if and when it comes, then we'll recognize it and the defense will already be put in place when the virus comes. And that's kind of how... That's kind of how it works. That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the basic system of a flu vaccine or any type of vaccine, really, against a virus. So what Jeremiah tells us is the first step, the first step in making sure we're grounded is to trust. Now, I want, I want to tell you something. It doesn't seem natural to me to get a shot to fight off something that I don't have yet. <laughs> I don't like needles. And so it doesn't seem like, okay, if I don't have it, why would I inject myself with a little bit of it? And and so it kind of goes against the way I think. Well, I don't have it yet. Wouldn't I wait until I got it to to get treated? No, the, the vaccine works totally different. And the issue is, Jeremiah is saying that. He's saying, don't wait until something bad happens to trust God. He's saying, trust God first. Trust him before anything happens. So trust is the first step. Trust is is what you do before the heat comes. Trust is what you do before the year of drought comes. You trust the Lord and then your planet. And so when everything's going fine, we talked about this last week. When everything's going fine, that's when you begin to establish trust with God. You're saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. So it's sort of like... Can I just be honest with you? What we have the tendency of is we have the tendency when everything's going well to trust ourselves until all hell breaks loose and then we want to trust God. But I want to let you know that that's, that's not the way God set it up. He said, trust me and I'll plant you so when these things do come, you'll already be rooted. And so it's so imperative when everything is going well not to trust ourselves which I have the tendency to everything's going fine I must be doing everything right but Jeremiah says no trust in the Lord and then when these things come you'll already be rooted when these things happen you'll already have it so trust is the first step you have to trust him and and here's the problem fear is natural trust is not We live in a sinful world and and we are people that battle with sin on a daily basis. And what I know is that trust is not natural. Fear is a natural instinct. Anxiety is a natural thing. Worry is a natural thing. Trust, I believe, is a supernatural thing. Faith is supernatural. Trust in God is supernatural. 
Romans 15, starting in verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's writing a, a little bit later in Romans, he's saying, He's saying, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So he's saying, do the unnatural thing. Trust in God you cannot see, and the God you cannot see will fill you with something that is beneficial. So he's saying, I know anxiety is is a natural. I know fear is natural. I know worry is natural. But if you trust God, going back to Jeremiah, trust in the Lord. Paul's saying the same thing. If you trust in God... The God of peace will fill your heart with hope. So he's saying he'll put something supernatural in you in the midst of a circumstance that that doesn't make any sense. 2 Timothy 1, chapter 6 and 7. And so Paul is, is what I talked about a little bit earlier before the service started. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in, in you through the laying on of hands. So he's saying, listen, God has put his spirit in you. So he said, for God gave us a spirit, not a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-control. Some translations say a sound mind, ability to think, clear thinking. So Paul's even telling Timothy, look, look, the spirit of God put in you the right stuff. You trusted him and he put in you what you need in this season. So what I'm saying to Hope Community Church and all who are watching, let God put in you what is not naturally in you. Trust him to plant you where you need to be planted. And, and what happens is when you trust God, he puts his spirit in you. Not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, scripture says. So he says, I will put my spirit in you and then you won't have to worry. You won't have to be anxious. You won't have to fear because my spirit in you will give you what is not naturally there. So when we trust in a moment like this, he puts in us what is not naturally occurring in us. That's where we come to the vaccine. I realize the shot has a little bit in it. (laughs) The shot has a little bit in it. Um, When they give the flu vaccine, put a little alcohol in your arm, get it all cleaned up, jam it in there. And you realize at that moment, you just shot a little bit of flu in me. You just shot me up with a little bit. Although a little bit, it's still a little bit. And what happens is, I started realizing that, that in order to be immune to something, you have to experience it a little bit. In order to get immunity from something, you have to experience a little. You have to realize In order to really trust God, you've got to have something to trust him for. So you cannot be inoculated without a little bit of exposure. You can't be inoculated without a little bit of exposure. The key, now I want you to listen to me right here. This is so important. And this is what I haven't told you about the virus. In most flu shots, there's a little bit of the flu but it's what they call deactivated. It's not a live virus. And that's so important. Most flu shots is, are not live viruses injected in you. They are deactivated virus. A small amount of deactivated virus is put in you. 
So the key is the virus is dead when they put it in you. So, so watch how this, watch how this works. Jesus promised we would be exposed, but that he had gained the victory. He promised us that we would be exposed. He told last week, we told the story about how he told the disciples in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So it's like, he said, listen, I'm going to give you a flu shot. It's got a little bit of the virus in it, but I already killed the virus. I already took care of it. I'd be a little more freaked out if the doctor said, listen, I'm going to inject you with a whole vial full of the full-blown flu. But that's not what's happening. The flu shot has a little teeny bit of the flu in it, but it's dead. And so they inject you with it. Your body goes, oh, that's kind of what it looks like. All right, let's get ready. So so Jesus was saying the same thing. Hey, listen, you're not going to be... You're not going to be able to escape the fact that there's tribulation on the earth. You're not going to be able to escape the fact that there's trouble. You're not going to be able to escape the fact that you and your spouse might not get along all the time. You're not going to be able to escape the fact that your kids, that you may be stuck in the house with your kids for a while and that might cause trouble. You're not going to be able to escape the fact that the unexpected things like this are going to happen. But trust me, I've already killed it all. I've already... I've already done the work. He says, in in this life you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome all of it. And so whatever I expose you to cannot hurt you. Whatever I expose you to cannot separate you from my love. Whatever I've, I've exposed you to cannot separate you from me. Whatever I have exposed you to, I will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you've been exposed to, I've already overcome it. I've already defeated it. Trust that you got planted. When you trust that you got planted in the right space, it could be that tiny little amount that keeps you healthy. Now I want to explain something to you. I believe everything we walk through in life has a purpose. We talked about that last week, Romans 8.28. But all things work together for good to those of them that love God are called according to his purpose. I believe with everything in me that everything that God allows us to walk through is the shaping and building of our faith. That if he's planted us by the water and the heat comes, the heat is not designed to kill us. The heat is designed to, so we push down roots. There is a water supply there. The heat is designed so we push down the roots. Because remember... He exposes us to a little bit of heat, but we're planted in such a way that it can't kill us. We're planted in such a way that it can't destroy us. And even when the unexpected comes, like what we've been looking at, even when the unexpected comes, he says, I've exposed you enough that you cannot be affected by it. You've trusted me enough and I've planted you in the right spot. So even, even, even though it seems impossible, I've already overcome. So watch what happens. There's a purpose in the situation you first trusted. You realize, I, I realize this, pain is never wasted in the kingdom. Pain is never wasted in the kingdom. Now, he, here's, we, uh, all of our kids are uh, a, l- a little bit older now. We have two daughters in college and my son is 16. He'll be 17 this year. And... Um, 
But I remember back in the day when they started getting vaccinations. And I know there's all kinds of viewpoints on that, but my kids got them. And so I remember being in the doctor's office and I remember, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was with my son. I can't remember exactly, but I, it was one of them. When you got three kids, you start to forget which one it was. I remember going to the doctor's office and I was there for most, uh, for a decent amount of their shots when they were young. And so I remember, I remember one specific time the doctor came in and, and we went to, a, uh, an old school, um, pediatrician who didn't play around. And so he came in and he said, I need you to hold his legs. And I thought, bro, I'm paying you to do this. Like, well, I didn't know you're going to pay me to hold his legs. Cause I don't know. Like, how did I become a part of this whole process? So he gets the, he gets the vaccination out and he says, you hold his legs and I'll hold. He can't move. And so my son is laying there screaming. I, I know there's another parent out there that experienced this and I can't hear your amen, but I know you've experienced this. He was screaming. I was holding his little feet and he put the shot in him. And I thought, yeah, but can't we just skip this whole thing? Can't we just skip it? Because he doesn't understand in the moment at two years old or one year old or however old he was, he didn't understand in the moment what the pain was for. He didn't understand in the moment, why is my dad holding my legs so that this stranger can put a needle in me? And after you're done, how do you explain to a one-year-old, son, it's going to be fine. This is so you don't get chicken pox. This is so you don't get measles. This is so you don't get smallpox. This is so you don't get sick because all they understand in the moment is my dad just held me down and let him put a needle in my leg. Ha. I travel a good bit and I've gotten a lot of vaccinations. And every time I go in, I'm going, I'm a grown man, but I don't want to get stuck with a needle. And I roll up my sleeve and I let him punch it in my arm because the bit of pain I'm experiencing in the moment trumps everything else that could happen. It's worth it in the moment. And what you have to understand about the kingdom is God never wastes pain. He never wastes it. He says he remembers every tear we've shed. And so so what we have to understand is the uncertainty we're walking through, some of the pain that is in our lives right now is not wasted. God is saying all through scripture that, listen, what the pain that I'm exposing you to is to inoculate you from the, from the huge things. Come on. The pain I'm exposing you to is to inoculate you from the things that could actually kill you from the things that could actually destroy you, from the things that, not your, not just your human life, but your spiritual life, the things that could, the things that could ruin you forever. The, the little bit of pain you're experiencing is to inoculate you, not destroy you. And that's radically changed the way I think. It's radically changed the way I think to believe that everything I'm walking through is for the purpose of ensuring eternal life for me. And for others. 
So God, I started realizing sometimes I act like the two-year-old. Sometimes I act like the one-year-old. And sometimes I'm like, God, you're going to have to have two people hold me down to give me this. Because I'm going to scream and kick the whole way. I'm going to scream and kick because I don't understand. And I've went through seasons of my life like that where I have screamed and kicked the whole time. And God said, if I got to get somebody else to hold you down, I'll hold you down. You're getting a shot. You're getting a shot. And I'm telling you, when I took my kids in there, the doctor never said, hey, just bring them back next week. No, they're getting a shot today. This is important. So the kingdom never wastes pain. The kingdom never wastes pain. So now I start looking at my circumstance and I start thinking, God, if you don't waste the pain I'm walking through right now, there must be some purpose in it. There must be some pur- there must be a reason. There must be, there must be a purpose for it. And, and, and what I've found out over and over and over again is that the, the little amount of pain that I may be currently in or the, the difficulty that I'm currently in is producing antibodies in my spiritual life. It's producing something in my spiritual life. So we've, we read Paul wrote to the Romans. He essentially said said this, what pain ends up producing, what pain produces ends up protecting you. What the pain produces ends up protecting you. I'm going to say that again. What the pain produces ends up protecting you. What the pain produces ends up protecting you. And, And in my kids' minds when they were one year old or six months, I don't even remember when they got them, but when they were really little, they couldn't relate the two. This pain is producing something that will protect me later. This difficulty is producing something that in 10 years will save my life. This pain that I'm experiencing right now will produce something that will save other people. And I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life as an adult where I haven't made the correlation that what is happening in my life currently is producing something that could rescue me later. Paul says to the Romans, that it, that not only do we rejoice in the hope of glory, but that we also rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Then James, we read that as well, James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's like the same thing that Paul said, produces endurance. And another version, a translation says, produces perseverance, the, be able, the ability to be able to see it through. So watch what happens. It'll produce endurance, a perseverance. James said, steadfastness. My roots are now deep enough to last. Go all the way back to Jeremiah. It says this. It says, he will, if you trust him, he'll plant you by the water. And when the thing comes that should kill you, it won't. Because you've been exposed a little bit and you've pushed your roots down deep to where there's a source. So what, what the pain produces ends up protecting you at the end. 
It ends up protecting you at the end. So it produces endurance. My roots are deep enough to last. So that pain in my life, when I, you know what my message is to 99% of people who are walking through difficult times? Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Uh, We did a marriage conference several years ago, and I remember uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Hartens, told everyone in that marriage conference that marriages go through life cycles. And some are really good and some are terrible. And his message was, even if you don't do anything and you just don't quit, the cycle keeps changing. And I walked out of that conference thinking, I just, I just don't need to quit. God's message to us in the middle of difficulty is to not quit, is that the little bit of pain in your life produces perseverance. It produces endurance. It produces steadfastness. No, I don't have to waver back and forth. I don't have to wonder if God is going to rescue me because I'm just not going to quit. It's just produced enough in my life that I don't have to give up ever. So how's that, how's that factor in? I was exposed to a little bit and I realized that with God, all things are possible. And so what? I just didn't quit. And when I didn't quit, it produced perseverance in my life. So that when the big thing come, I already had perseverance. My roots were already deep enough. The antibodies were already there to recognize that Satan was trying to get me to quit. Because remember, when you're injected with a little bit of the flu, your body creates a memory. And what God wants to do in your life, even through this circumstance we're living in right now, is to create a memory of his goodness, is create a memory of his faithfulness, to create a memory of his love, so that when the next trial comes, and trust me, there will be another one, when the next trial comes, your faith automatically goes, hey, I remember that. I've already been inoculated to that. You can't make me worry again because the last time I worried, God's love showed up and it inoculated me to worry. I was exposed to just enough of it to realize that it's not what God wants for me and that I can persevere through it. And now that I've already persevered through that, now I know I can have hope in this. So Paul says, the little bit of pain that you're walking through produces something that'll benefit you later. So after he says it produces endurance or, or perseverance and James says steadfastness, Paul goes on to say it produces hope, character. You know what character is? It's just, I've heard it, I've heard it said like this for years. Character is who you are in the dark with no lights on. How, you, how, how we act and how we believe when there's no lights on. So, so listen, it's really easy for me to stand up here on stage right now with these cameras in my face and say, I trust God. But is it that way when the, none of these lights are on? Is it that way when I'm at home with my wife and kids? Is it that way when I'm, when I'm somewhere else? Is it that way when all hell breaks loose? Is it, it's super easy. This is all the lights are on. We're on, we're on cam. We're live streaming. It's super easy for me to say, oh, I trust in God. But character is when none of this is happening and I'm still doing it. That's character. So Paul says that perseverance 
You're exposed to a little bit of that pain. He says, he says, we glory in suffering because we know that the suffering is producing antibodies in us. We know that it's that the little bit that God injects in us at the moment is producing those antibodies and it's producing a memory. And your spiritual person has a memory that, oh, I can make it through it and now I'm going to be the same always. It doesn't only produce stick to and endurance and steadfastness and perseverance. The next step is it produces character. So I'm the same whether I'm at church or whether I'm at home. I'm the same whether I'm at home or whether I'm at work. I'm the same everywhere. And what does that mean? Just what Jeremiah said. It means that you push the roots down enough that your source doesn't change. Your source doesn't change. I can be the same person as long as my source doesn't change. My source doesn't change with the seasons. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he is without change, that he never changed, that change has never crossed his mind, that he's never had a morning where, well, he doesn't wake up. But if he did wake up, he never wakes up and goes, man, I think I'll just do something not characteristic of me. No, he's the same. So what happens is when I'm planted in the right spot, I take on more of the characteristic of God. So what happens? A little bit of pain enters my life and Paul says, you know what? Glory in it because it's producing steadfastness. It's producing endurance. And then what happens is it causes you to have character. It causes the roots to go down so deep that you become like God, but you become more like God and you don't change. You're not waffling one way or the other. You're saying, no, 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 no. My hope is still in the Lord. My trust is still in the Lord. I'm the same as I was before the heat came. I'm the same as I was before the drought came. I'm the same. What we talked about last week is so important in this season we're in right now. It's so important in this season right now. I want you to look at me. It's so important that the church doesn't change just because our circumstance has. That that the little bit of pain God exposes us to drives our roots down so deep it creates such a memory that when real crisis comes we don't change. Your spiritual person says, whoa, 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 I've seen this before. There's no reason to be alarmed. There's no reason to be anxious. There's no reason to worry. God has not changed. He's as faithful today as he was 10 years ago. He's as faithful today as he was 50 years ago. He's as faithful today as when Jesus was walking the earth, healing people in a touch and a word. He's as faithful today. So what's that mean? That means that after I've been exposed a little bit, I can endure after I've been exposed a little bit that I can, I can have character now. And then he doesn't stop at character. He says, when you have character, your source doesn't change with the seasons. Just like God, we can stay the same over and over. And then after it's produced character, Paul says it produces hope in our life. We talked about this before. The fruit is not dictated by the crisis. Jeremiah says, even in the year of drought, you'll produce fruit in every season. Hope is when you believe something good is coming no matter what the 
circumstances. Hope is when you don't believe in the circumstance, but you believe in the one guiding you. Hope is that memory of I was exposed to a little bit of this five years ago. I've been exposed to pain before and I, and it's built up this trust in God that no matter what happens, I still have hope. It's built up antibodies to the, to my flesh. It's built up antibodies to the devil where all craziness could break loose. I could be, I could be exposed to the worst thing now and realize, wait a second, I've persevered through the power of God. I've, I've developed character through God's grace and now I have unshakable hope because of Christ who lives within me. So no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I can have hope. I can have that blessed assurance I think that was him number 44. And the old school, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I can have hope that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. That has nothing to do with what's going on around us. That has nothing to do with our circumstance. It has nothing to do with the, with the threat of death or the threat of disease or the threat of loss of income. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the power of God living in us that inoculates us from going crazy. That when everything is off, when everything is going awry, our memory, our spiritual memory goes back to the first time we were exposed to trial, to the first time. And it says, wait a second, I remember his goodness. I remember his faithfulness. I remember the peace I had. I remember the hope I had. And he's the same today. So when the virus tries to attack your body, oh, I remember that. I remember that. Don't try to sneak in the back door. I remember built up antibodies to this thing. I remember, I remember when I used to worry all the time. And I, rem I remember when the peace of God that passes all understanding guarded my heart and mind the first time. And it built up an antibody to worry. It built up an antibody to anxiety. And so now, now what happens is I have the ability now to take every thought captive because now I have a way to attack it. Now I have a way to attack it. Now I've been grounded in the word of God. Now I've dug into the word of God. And now I have the ability not to just suffer, but to fight back in times of trial. Listen to me. Your body, once you get the vaccine, is not just, just the flu's not coming up against you and still ravaging. No, once you get the vaccine, your body says, we're not just going to sit down and take this. We're going to fight. We're not sitting down, just take this, like, like whatever. No, no, no. We've already built up a defense mechanism now. And so the church, you and me, the church should not be sitting back worried about what's going to happen, but we should be looking forward to how we're going to overcome. Come on, that's a totally different stance. I'm not waiting to get sick. I'm trying to figure out how the gospel goes forward. Because he's, he's built up spiritual antibodies in us in order, to, in order to, in the midst of crisis, not be fearful. In, order the, in the midst of chaos, not have anxiety. In the midst of chaos, have a clear mind and ability to think. In the midst of all that's going on, to say, hey, we're going to have peace. 
How do I know that? Because I've already experienced it. Because I already have a memory of what it looks like. I already have a, ant, a spiritual antibody built up in my life to resist the devil. Because here's what the Bible says, ironically. The Bible says that if you resist the devil, he has to flee. Resist the devil and he has to flee. Resist the devil and he has to flee. So, so when things get worse, where do we go to? Hey, I remember the last time we resisted the devil and he ran. He can't stay. He can't stay. Some of us have convinced ourselves that when Satan shows up, that God starts to tremble. And it's the other way around. It's the other way around. That when, that when the Spirit of God is active in our lives and the devil shows up to tempt us, there is, there is it's not even an equal fight. It's not, it's not even an argument. If you look back when Jesus was tested in the wilderness, when he was tempted in the wilderness, Jesus didn't have an argument with the devil. He just said, no, this is what the word of God says. And the devil moved on to another subject. This is what the word of God says. And he moved on to another subject. And when he tempted him again, he said that and then he left him. The devil has no basis to argue with you. Zero. So once you've been inoculated, there's no argument. Hey, wait a second. I can feel that anxiety creeping on and in the name of Jesus, that's not going to happen. No argument. I can feel that worry creeping in. I can feel that unsureness creeping up on me. I can feel that pain. No, no, no. Resist him with what you've already been exposed to. And I'm telling you right now that if God has let you walk through the pain, it was not to kill you. If he's allowed you to walk through the difficulty, it was, it was to inoculate you from the things in the future and allow you to have hope and peace that passes all understanding and victory in him because what you have been exposed to, he is already defeated. He's already overcome. He's already done the work. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in his second letter to him. I think the worship team is going to come back up for a second. Corinth was a, I'll put it this way. Corinth was a good church, but a crazy church. They didn't have it all together. If you read the two letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, you'd realize that they were sideways at times too, that they didn't have it all figured out, that they were trying to figure out how to deal with things. Paul writes this in his second letter to them, chapter four, verse 17, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Listen to that. Light and momentary affliction is, be, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I'm going to read that again. It's so important. For this light and momentary affliction, light and momentary affliction, light and momentary affliction, light and momentary affliction. He's writing to the Corinthians. He said, listen, this little bit of pain is the inoculation. The little bit of pain is, the, is going to create antibodies in you. This, this little, he says, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing 
in us. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. You know what that tells me? God's not wasting anything. And if you're walking through, maybe you're in a situation this morning where this virus is the, is the last thing on your mind. You're walking through something unbelievable right now. And it just seems like the virus heaped itself on top of it. It feels like you're crumbling under the weight of the whole thing. Paul says it's preparing. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Paul says it's, it's, it's trying to create antibodies of, of endurance, of perseverance, of character, of hope. Know that God is not asleep in your life. Know that he, that if you're experiencing that pain this morning, that he is, that he, it, it's an inoculation process. That is creating perseverance in your life. That he's creating hope in your life. Just like we all did when we were little kids, got the shot in the arm and there was anxiety about it, worry and fear when, as soon as you saw the needle come out. But then you realized that was worth me not getting sick today. That was worth it. That was worth the pain I experienced then was worth it me being who I am today. And I believe in 10 years we're going to be saying the same thing, whatever you're walking through right now. Let the Spirit of God build that up in your life right now. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't check out early. Don't start worrying. Don't start fear. Don't, don't let fear enter your life. Take captive every thought that pops in your head when you wake up and start challenging it with the Word of God. And let those, let those spiritual antibodies build up in your system so that, so that when the devil steps onto your property, when he, when, he, when he tries to engage you, that you've already built up a defense system, that you already know that the, that the, that the answer is already there. That you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. So I'm asking you this morning to trust God. Let him plant you. Let him plant you by your source and push those roots down deep so that when trial comes, so that when difficulties come, so that when the unexpected comes, you will be sustained, not by your strength, but by his. And I can tell you this, that he has never failed, that he has never forsaken anyone that is his, that he is always, that he promises, I will be with you. So I want to encourage you this morning to pray that way. Come on, everybody tuning in. Why don't you close your eyes, even in your living room. Just close your eyes right now and proclaim that over your family. Proclaim that over your life. Proclaim it over your kids, over your grandkids, over your neighborhood. God, what we're walking through right now is a vaccine to what could kill us in the future. God, what the, the little bit of pain we're experiencing right now, Lord, you're preparing an eternal weight of glory for us. God, you're, you're producing character, perseverance, and hope. You're doing that. And we proclaim that 
said we will have the joy of the Lord. We proclaim we'll have the peace of the Lord. We proclaim the Lord, your spirit in us will produce fruit in this season. Lord, when it seems difficult, then we'll have peace and patience and joy and long suffering. God, we pray that those things will be evident in our lives. We proclaim them over our kids, over our families, over our over our communities, Lord, over this country, Lord, that your peace that passes all understanding, God, would sweep through our nation. God, and we'd be inoculated to the threat of the devil. We'd be inoculated, God, to anything he could do to us. God, we pray that you create a memory of your faithfulness in us today and give us hope for tomorrow. We thank you for it today, God. And we give you praise and honor because of it. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on all over the place. Come on, why don't you give him praise this morning? He's good.